0: Hi, I'm Stephen Kass for IEEE Spectrum's Fixing the Future. This episode is brought to you by IEEE Explore, the digital library with over six million pieces of the world's best technical content. Today, I have with me our own Samuel K. Moore, who has been covering the semiconductor beat pretty intensely for Spectrum for, well, how many years has it been, Sam?
1: Seven years, I would say.
0: So Sam knows computers down at the level most of us like to ignore, hidden underneath all kinds of digital abstractions. This is down where all the physics and material science that make the magic possible lurk. And uh, recently, uh, you wrote an article about the race to replace electricity with light inside computers, which is letting chips talk to each other with fiber optics rather than just using fiber optics to communicate between computers. I guess my first question is, what's wrong with electricity, Sam?
1: (laughs) I have nothing against electricity, Stephen. (laughs) Well, it knows what it did. (laughs) Uh, But really, um, uh, this all comes down to, to inputs and outputs. There just aren't enough... Coming off of processors for what they want to do in the future. Um, they are electric, and uh, electronics can only push signals so far before they kind of melt away, and they consume quite a bit of power. So, you know, this, the hope is that you will have better bandwidth between computer chips, uh, consuming less power.
0: So it's not just a question of, like, raw speed, though, when you would talk about, like, these signals um, melting away, because I think that the signal speed in copper is about, like, what, two-thirds the speed of light in a vacuum. But then I was kind of surprised to see that in a fiber optic cable, the speed of light is about two-thirds of that that in a vacuum. So, um, you know... What's going on? What's kind of the limitations with pushing a, a signal down a wire?
1: Sure, uh, a wire is not an ideal conductor. It's really resistance, inductance, and capacitance, uh, all of which will uh, reduce the size and uh, speed of a signal. So, um, and this is particularly uh, a problem at uh, high frequencies, which are more susceptible uh, to particularly the, to the capacitance side of things. So, you might start with a beautiful Twenty gigahertz uh, um, square wave at the edge of the chip, and by the time it gets to the end of the board, it will be an imperceptible bump. Light, on the other hand, isn't uh, doesn't work like that. Right. Uh, it has things that you know, like there are things that mess with its with uh, signals in optical fibers, but they work at much, much, much longer length scales. Okay,
0: great. So you talked about there are two two companies that are in this sort of. Um, race to put like light inside computers um so so we can talk a little bit who who are they and, and what are their different approaches
1: sure these are these are two startups and and they're um not alone there are very likely other startups in stealth mode and there are giants like intel that are also in this race as well um but what these two startups uh Ayer labs uh, that's A Y A R and i'm probably pronouncing it a little weird uh and avicenna um those are the two uh, that I profiled in the January issue. And they're representative of two very different sort of takes on this same idea. I'll uh, we'll start with IR, um, which is really sort of the, um, it's sort of what we're using right now, but on steroids. <laughs> uh, it, um, like the links that you find already in data centers, it uses um, infrared laser light, um, kind of breaks it into, you know, into several bands um i can't remember if it's eight or 16 but you know so they've got multiple channels kind of in each fiber uh and it uses silicon photonics to um basically modulate and detect the signals um and the what they bring to the table is they have one a really good laser that can you know sit on a board uh next to the uh chip and also They've managed to shrink down the silicon photonics, the modulation and the detection and, and the associated electronics that, go, that makes that actually happen quite radically compared to, you know, what's out there right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, they are sort of, the you know, just sort of, I mean, it's weird to call them a conservative play because they really do have great technology. But it is just sort of taking what we've got and making it work a lot better. Um, Avicenna is doing something completely different. Um, they aren't using lasers at all. They're using um, micro LEDs. Uh, these are, and they're blue. These are made of gallium nitride. Um, and what's, you know, why this might work is that um, there's a rapidly growing micro LED display industry um, with big backers like Meta and uh, Apple. So, you know, the problems and that you might find with a new industry, you're kind of getting solved by other people. <laughs> um, and so what Avicenna does is they basically make a little micro LED display on a, on a chiplet and they stick a particular kind of fiber. Um, it's uh, it's sort of like an imaging fiber. It's similar to, um, if you've ever had an endo- endoscopy exam, you've had a close encounter with one of these. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and basically it has a, a bunch of um, sort of fiber channels in it. Um, the one that they use has like 300, um, you know, in this half a millimeter channel. And they stick the end of that uh, of that fiber uh, on top of the display so that each micro-LED in the display uh, has its own channel. Hmm. And so you have this sort of parallel, uh, um, you know, path for light to come off of the chip. Uh, and they modulate the uh, micro-LEDs, just flicker them, um, which... And they do that they found a way to do that a lot faster than other people. Um th- people thought there were going to be, you know, real hard limits to this, but um they've gotten as high as ten gigabits per second. Their their um first product will probably be in more than the three gigabytes the gigabits, sorry, um kind of area. But it's really surprisingly rapid. Nobody people weren't thinking that micro LEDs could do this. But they can and so that should provide a very uh powerful pathway between uh Microprocessors. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so what's what's the market for this for this technology? I uh, mean, I presume we're not like looking to see it in our you know phones anytime soon. So, who who really is you know spending the money for this?
1: It's funny you should mention phones, and I'll get back to it because it's not the definitely not the first adopter, but there there may actually be a role for it in there. Um, your likely first adopter are actually companies like Nvidia, which I know are very interested in in this sort of thing. They are trying to um, tie together, their really super powerful GPUs as tightly as possible, so that they can, you know, in the end, ideally, it's they want something that will bind their their chips together so tightly that it's as if it was one gigantic chip, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's physically spread across, you know, four, you know, eight racks with, you know. Each server having, you know, four or eight of these of these chips, um, so that's what they're they're looking for. They need to reduce uh, the the sort of the distance, uh, both in power, both in energy and in sort of time, to their other processing units and to and from memory, um, so that they kind of wind up with this really tightly bound computing machine and when I say like tightly bound I mean like you could the ideal is to bind them all together as one but the truth is the way people use you know know, computing resources what you want to do is just pull together what you need Um, and so you know like this is a technology that will allow allow them to do that so it's really like you know the the big iron people that are going to be the early adopters for this sort of thing Um, but uh, in your phone there's actually a sort of bandwidth limited pathway between your camera and the processor. And uh, Avicen in particular is actually kind of interested in putting these together, which would mean that your camera can be in a different place than it, than it is right now you know, with regard to the processor, or you could come up with completely different uh, uh, configurations of a mobile device. Well, it
0: almost sounds like when you were talking about, like, this idea of, like, building essentially a, a computer, even kind of a, a CPU, even though, you know, many, many cores, um, but, like, on the size of racks, I was thinking, of, like, that reminded me, of, like, ENIAC days, or even, like, you know, IBM, you know, the <laughs> IBM 360s, where this this the, the computer would take up, several racks, and then we invented this cool microprocessor technology, <laughs> so I guess it's kind of a sort of uh, one of these sort of great um, technological um, cycles. But, but you mentioned there the idea about giant chips. That is an approach that some people are trying, like these, these massive chips to solve this, this uh, your bandwidth communication yeah.
1: problem. That's right. That is exactly, you know, like they are trying to solve the exact same problem at Cerebris. Uh, I shouldn't say trying. This is their, they have their solution. Their solution is to never go off the chip they made the biggest chip you could possibly make by just making it all on one wafer Um, and so the signals never have to leave the Mm -hmm. chip you get to keep that, that really broad pathway all the way along and then you know your limit is just a chip can only be Oh, the size of a wafer. How big is a wafer? <laughs> oh, we, uh, man, it's 300 millimeters across, uh, but then, you know, they have to cut off the edges so you okay. get a square. So it's, your you know, a dinner plate, your face if you have a big head. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so what are some of the other approaches out there to solving uh, this issue? Sure.
1: Um, well, if you look at um, IR and Intel are actually a good contrast in that they're really doing kind of the same thing. They've got silicon photonics designed to modulate uh, and detect uh, infrared laser light, um, you know. And they've got, you know, each of their lasers has, uh, you know, eight channels or colors rather, um, or sometimes sixteen. I think is where is where they're moving to. Um, the difference is that um, Air keeps its laser off of the chip, outside of the package with the um, with the GPU. And I should kind of explain sort of another something else that is. Um, indicative of why this is the right time of it, and I'll get back to that. But my point is, IR keeps its laser off of the you know, like separate. It's almost like a utility. You wouldn't think of putting your um, power converter in the same package with your GPU. You know, electricity is sort of like a, a utility. They use laser light like a utility, kind of. Um, Intel, on the other hand, is really gung-ho on integrating the laser with their silicon photonics chips, and they have their own reasons for doing that. And they've been working on this for a while. Um, and so you wind up with a slightly different-looking configuration. Intel's like, just one, you know, one connection. IR will always have a connection from the laser to the chip mm-hmm. and then out again once it's been modulated. Um, and they each have their sort of their own reasons for, for doing, uh, doing that. It's, you know, kind of hard sometimes to keep, for instance, um, you know, the laser stable if you don't tightly control the temperature it's at. And, you know, if you're in the package with the GPU... Do you have control over the temperature because the GPU is doing its own thing? <laughs> you know, uh, Intel feels fine about this uh, clearly, um, and AR is just a startup, and they are just trying to get in with somebody who wants to integrate it into their own uh, into their own stuff. Because um, that's something you've
0: reported before on that, the challenge of integrating photonics with silicon and so you don't have to go off, go off chip and there's kind of been a, a long and somewhat uh, I don't want to say trouble but but a challenging his history there.
1: Yeah, and the reason it's it's become suddenly less challenging actually is that um, the the world is moving towards chiplets as opposed to monolithic silicon um, system on chips. Um, so you know even just a few years ago everybody Was just making like the biggest chip they could Mm -hmm. filling it up moore's law has been you know not delivering quite as much as it (laughs) as it has in the past um and so there's a new solution you can um add silicon by uh finding a way to bind two separate pieces of silicon together almost as tightly as if they were One chip, Uh, and this is a packaging technology. Packaging is something that people didn't really care about so much ten years ago, but now it's actually super, super important. Um, So there's three D packaging type uh, type situations where you've got chips stacked on chips. You've got uh, what are called two and a half D, which is really it's two D, but they're right they're like you know within a you know less than a millimeter of each other, and the number of connections uh, that you can make at that scale is much closer to what you have on on the chip Um, and then so you put these silicon these chiplets of silicon together and then and you package them all all in one and that is sort of the way advanced processors are being made right now Um, one of those chiplets then can be silicon photonics which is a completely different you know it's a different process Uh, manufacturing process than you would have for, you know, your main processor and stuff. Um, and because of these packaging technologies, you can put, you know, chips made with different technologies together and sort of, you know, bind them electrically and they will work, uh, just fine. And so because there is this sort of chiplet landing pad now, companies like Avicenna and IR, um, they have a place to go that's kind of easy to get to. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: so, so you, you mentioned Nvidia and GPUs there which are you know you're really now associated with sort of machine learning so is that's what's driving a lot of this is is you know these, these machine learning deep learning things that are just chewing through enormous amounts of data
1: yeah um, the real driver is that um, things like chat GPT and all of these natural language processors which are sort of of a class that are called transformer uh, neural networks I'm a little unclear as to why. Um, but they are just huge. They have just ridiculous you know trillions of parameters like the weights and the mm-hmm. activations that actually sort of make up the guts of a neural network. Um, and there's unfortunately sort of no end in sight. Uh, it seems like if you just make it bigger, you can make it better. <laughs> um, and in order to, to train these, um, so it's not the actual it's not so much the running of them, the, you know the inferencing, the getting getting your answer it's the training them that is really the problem Um, you know in order to to train something that big um, and have it done this year uh, you really really need a lot of computing power that was sort of that was the you know the reason for for companies like Cerebrus where you know they they just wanted instead of taking instead of something taking weeks, taking hours, or instead of something taking like months and months, taking a couple of days, means that you can actually you know, learn to use and train one of these giant neural, neural networks in a reasonable amount of time and, frankly, do experiments so that you can make better ones. I mean, if your experiment takes four months, it, it really slows down the pace of development. So that's a real driver, is training these gigantic uh, transformer models.
0: So, so what kind of time frame are we, are we talking about? Like in terms of, like when might we see these kind of things, um, you know, popping up in data centers, and then I guess when might we see them coming to our to our phone?
1: Okay, so um, I know that Air uh, Labs, um, that's the startup that uses the um, the infrared lasers, uh, is actually working on prototype computers with partners this year. Um, it's unlikely that we will actually see the results of those uh, for, uh, from them. It's not, you know, they're just not likely to be made public. Uh, but when pressed I uh, 2025, 26 kind of time frame, uh, it, the uh, CEO of IR thought was an OK, uh, okay estimate. Um, you know, it might take a little longer for others. Um, uh, Avicenna, uh, their first product is actually going to be um, just sort of a low watt replacement for the, um, the between-the-racks kind of connections, uh, but uh, they promised a chiplet for on you know like in package with uh, the processor sort of hot on its heels. Um, but again, it you know the customers are gigantic, uh, and they really have to they really have to feel that this is a technology that is going to be good for them in the long term. So there aren't that many you know. There's Nvidia. There's the, some of the giant. Um, AI computer makers and and uh, and some supercomputer makers, I imagine. So you know the, the customer list is is um, not not enormous, uh, uh, but it has deep pockets um, and it's probably kind of conservative. So it may be a little bit
0: cool and so to uh, to the phone oh days. yeah i don't
1: actually know <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just uh right now i think that's just sort of an idea um <laughs> but uh you know who we'll see if it uh you know things could develop faster in that field than than others well, who knows so
0: is there anything else you'd like to add
1: um yeah there's i just wanted to kind of bring back that um you know those two startups are like indicative of what's likely a larger group um, some of that are some of which are probably in stealth mode um and there's plenty of academic research on this doing this in compl- in totally different ways like using surface plasmons which are sort of waves of uh, waves of electrons um that uh, occur on when light strikes a metal surface you know with the idea of being able to basically like use smaller less um, fiddly components um to to get the same uh, to get the same thing done because you're using those the waves of electrons rather than the light itself um but yeah i, I look forward to um to honestly seeing what else people come up with um because they are there's clearly more than one way to skin this cat
0: and they can follow your coverage in the pages of, of spectrum or online yes indeed so that was great, Sam. Thank you. So today in Fixing the Future, we were talking with Sam Moore about the competition to build a next generation of high-speed interconnects. I'm Stephen Kass Triple E Spectrum, and I hope you'll join us next time.